How's everybody? On this Valentine's Day. Guys, that's a reminder, okay, to keep you focused more on your, your loved ones today than on the Daytona 500 this afternoon. I'm seeing, uh, you know, a lot more kind of red and, and pink and, and Valentine love colors uh, out there today. And I uh, just wanted you to know that uh, I wore my Valentine socks this morning. Yeah. Just to stay focused all day long, what matters most. Man, celebrate the ones that you love today. Uh, let them know how much they mean to you. We all need that, don't we? We do, we do, and we need to hear it. But when it comes to love, man, there is no greater love than the love of Jesus. Amen? So over the next six weeks, we're going to be walking through the book of Colossians. So if you've got your Bibles with you this morning, let me encourage you to turn in the New Testament uh, to the book of Colossians. It is the fourth of Paul's prison epistles. That's Galatians. Ephesians, Philippians, and then Colossians. If you ever have trouble remembering the prison epistles, G.E. Power Company, okay? Um, that's, uh, that's how I was taught to remember that years and years ago. So turn into Colossians with me. We're going to start a series this morning called Greater Than. Greater Than. Let me ask you something today. Where do you need to be reminded that Jesus is greater than anything that you're going through right now. Where do you mean, need to be reminded of that? Anything that you've done or anything that you've experienced in the past or anything that you're worried about for the future. And that is Paul's entire point in the book of Colossians. The whole letter revolves around two central questions. Number one, is Jesus greater than anything else in our lives? The supremacy of Christ. And number two, it, we just sang about it. Is Jesus enough? Is He enough? The sufficiency of of Christ. That's what Colossians is all about. Is Jesus alone enough to forgive us fully and to restore us completely in a relationship with God? This little letter answers those questions with a resounding yes. Yes, Jesus is all sufficient and has supremacy over absolutely everything in our lives no matter what it is <laughs> he is greater than and some of you need to hear that today colossians is as i said one of paul's prison epistles it was written while he was in chains uh, in rome it addresses immediate threats that the church was experiencing at that particular time Colossae was a thriving trade city in Asia Minor. We talked a lot about this region when we were in the Revelation 7 Churches series uh, not too long ago. Uh, it was located in modern-day Turkey, just 100 miles east of Ephesus, 
and 10 miles past Laodicea. If there was an eighth church in the seven churches of Revelation, the Colossian church would be it. It was at the end of that very same corridor, that trade corridor, and it faced many of the same challenges that those seven churches faced. It was at a crossroads of culture, a crossroads really of, of pagan culture. A melting pot of philosophy and religion flowed through Colossae. The church there was founded by a man by the name of Epaphras who gave his life to Christ after hearing the Apostle Paul preach the gospel at Ephesus. And after Epaphras heard the gospel, he immediately went back to his home in Colossae and he started the Colossian church in his home and from that moment on he was the pastor of that church and the reality is that the Apostle Paul never went to the city of Colossae and he never personally in person visited that particular church but its pastor Epaphras comes to see Paul while he's in prison so Epaphras traveled 100 miles to see the Apostle Paul um, while he was in prison. And, and while that he was visiting Paul in prison, he sought his advice on what has come to be known as the Colossian conflict or the Colossian heresy. The church was being inundated at that time with teachings and philosophies that acknowledged Jesus Say, hey, man, we, we like Jesus. We follow Jesus. We come here and, and we worship with you guys and we call ourselves Christians. But Jesus is just part of a much bigger picture. You need to add a little bit of this and you need to sprinkle in a little bit of that. And, and then you're going to be good to go with God. But Jesus isn't all you need. There was a group in Colossae that taught it was Jesus plus circumcision. That you couldn't become a Christian unless you first became a Jew and followed the Jewish law. There was a group that taught it was Jesus plus some super secret spiritual knowledge that unlocked your enlightenment. There was a group there that insisted that salvation was found in Jesus plus an endless list of religious rules and regulations. We still see different forms of all these heresies in the church today. Epaphras was at his wit's end and he asked Paul for some help. And in response, Paul wrote this letter. And he wrote it and he sent it to Epaphras in Colossae, instructing him to read it to the church there, including all those who were bringing in these false teachings. And in it, theologians agree, we find the most complete Christology, description of Christ in all the Bible. In other words, it's the best picture and description of who Jesus is that we find in all of Scripture. Paul's bottom line and our focus in this series is this. 
Jesus alone is greater than anything and everything in all of creation. And His death, burial, and resurrection are all completely sufficient for our salvation. We don't need anything else. We don't need to add anything to what Jesus has already done. We can rest in it and we can live into its fullness as children of God. The Colossian church had turned essentially into the church of Oprah. Jesus was in there somewhere, but they were tacking a whole lot of other stuff on. They were tacking on a little Deepak Chopra. They were bringing in a little Wayne Dyer. They were talking to the Dalai Lama. Little Tom Cruise sprinkled in. Maybe some Joel Osteen just for effect. And they were thoroughly confusing the church. Still happening today. And completely contradicting the truth of the gospel. Yet it is so appealing to itching ears. It was then, and it is now. Perhaps more than ever. No shame in this, but uh, was anybody here ever part of Oprah's book club? Come on. Nobody part of Oprah? Okay, thank, thank you for being honest. That's awesome. Yeah, a big, big deal. I mean, millions and millions and millions of people part of Oprah's book club. You know, and I don't want to throw Oprah under the bus here. She's done a lot of great things. She's helped a lot of people. She's given a lot of her favorite things away. But the damage that she has done with her influence when it comes to the truth of the gospel is incalculable. And I mean that. In 2006, she featured an author by the name of Eckhart Tolle. Anybody familiar with him? Yeah, if you read much, you, you, you'd be familiar with him. Okay. He wrote a book, and she featured it, called A New Earth. Anybody read that book? No? A New Earth, Awakening to Your Life's Purpose. Man, doesn't that sound like something good? Who doesn't want to awaken to their life's purpose? Man, we all do. And that book got so much traction and was so widely read and promoted by the celebrities and the stars that in 2008, the New York Times called Tolle the most popular spiritual author in the United States. And then in 2011, he was listed by the Watkins Review as the most spiritually influential person in the world. His bio says this, that he doesn't identify with any specific religion. And there's just a whole slew of these folks out there. But he has been influenced by a wide range of spiritual works. A little bit of this and a little bit of that. It's exactly what was going on in the Colossian church. It says that he admires Jesus and if you read his work, he quotes Jesus often, but only when it fits his narrative. He teaches that man does not need a Savior because we have everything within us we need to move to a higher consciousness. 
It's New Age thought, New Age teaching. It's a melting pot of all the religions in the world that essentially say many and perhaps every path leads to God, which is a direct contradiction of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is a direct contradiction of the truth of Scripture, a direct contradiction of what we say when we quote the Apostles' Creed as followers of Jesus Christ. And it's not true. It sounds good, but it is not true. And so Epaphras goes to Paul and he says, Man, I'm dealing with four or five of these guys. And they're coming at me from every angle in my church and I, I just I don't know what to do here. Man, these guys are convincing, Epaphras tells Paul. But everything they teach diminishes the sufficiency and the supremacy of Jesus. The gospel, Paul, that you taught me, the gospel that founded this church, the gospel of Jesus Christ and the salvation we find in Him that is the foundation for the church. And so Paul, in response to Epaphras' visit, he pens this letter as an apostle, as one who has been sent by God, as one who has had face-to-face contact with Jesus as Paul did on the Damascus Road. And he writes it to make it crystal clear that Jesus is above all. That Jesus is greater than anything this world or the wisdom in it can offer. And he begins the letter by praising God for the good things that are happening in the church. And if there weren't good things happening for the gospel in the Colossian church, the enemy would not be attacking the church as it was through these false teachers. And so he encourages the church right out of the gate, as he often does, for their faith and for their love for one another. You know, it's interesting. Um, We've got the staff here and volunteers. We've got these Tapestry Community Church masks. You know, they've got our logo on them and what have you. Has anybody who has one of those worn it around the community at all? Yeah, has anybody asked you about the church because you're wearing that mask? Man, I get asked about the church all the time. They're like, oh, that's on Henry Road, right? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I started a number of conversations just by wearing this mask that has our logo on it around the community. And I'll tell you what, you know, I've had some people say, yeah, I know some folks that go there. Yeah, they're awesome. I, that, that's great. You know, there is nothing as a pastor that I like to hear more than, hey, your people, man, they seem so faithful. And they really seem to love each other. And that's exactly what Paul does coming out of the gates to this church that is just off balance with all of this false teaching. He says, man, thank you guys for having so much faith and loving one another and your community well. And then he turns that praise in Colossians 1 into a prayer. So follow along as I read, beginning in verse 3. Paul says this. He says, we also thank God. We thank God the Father. And again, this is being read to the church in Colossae. 
We thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you because we have heard of your faith in Jesus Christ and of the love you have for all the saints, the faith and love that spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you have already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. He says, all over the world, know this, this gospel is bearing fruit and it's growing just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace in all its truth. Paul, truth, truth, truth. He says, you learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant who is a faithful minister of the gospel uh, uh, on your behalf and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. He says, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, remember Paul's not visited here, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of His will. Don't miss that. Through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, again being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father, listen to this, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. And it is God alone, Paul says, who qualifies us to be His children. No greater consciousness, no secret knowledge, no worldly wisdom, no effort of our own. God alone in Christ reconciles us to Himself. And that's Paul's message to the Colossian church here. And that is Paul's message to us. He says, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Now you want to be enlightened, Paul says. You want to move from darkness to light. And Jesus is the only one who can take you there. In Him and in Him alone, Paul says, we have redemption. In other words, we are bought back from sin, brought out of darkness and into light. In Him and in Him alone, we are forgiven and we are set free from our sin. Paul then spends the next six verses basically on Jesus' resume. It's, it's perhaps the most beautiful section uh, of Scripture in all the Bible. And he lays the groundwork here for why we can trust Jesus fully. These six verses are the most content-rich verses in the Bible when it comes to who Jesus is. Beginning in verse 15, Paul says this, he says, He, speaking of Jesus, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, things that are visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, 
all things were created by Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. I love that. And He is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything, everything, He might have the supremacy. He says, For God was pleased to have all His fullness dwell in Him, and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, making peace through His blood shed on the cross. And if that don't light you fire, <laughs> your wood's wet. Five times in those six verses, Paul says, all things. All things. In other words, there is nothing beyond the scope of Jesus' sovereignty in your life and in all of creation. Nothing outside of the watchful care of Jesus. And somebody needed to hear that today. He's greater than your loneliness. And Valentine's Day can be a rough day for a lot of folks. It just reminds them a lot of times that they're by themselves. And Jesus is greater than your loneliness. He's greater than your depression. He's greater than the financial or relational challenges that you're facing today. He's greater than all things. Paul says he created all things. And Jesus was the agent of the Trinity at work in Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, Jesus, Paul tells us, created the heavens and the earth. And he created you and he created me intricately and intimately. He knows you. Let that sink in. And the author of life, the creator of the universe, created you. And He knows you. He knows what you're feeling this morning. He knows what you're afraid of this morning. He hears your prayers this morning. He knows what's heavy on your heart this morning. The author of life knows you. He knows what you're going through. Paul answers the two greatest questions that mankind has and has had from the very beginning right here with one single phrase. What are the two great questions of man? Where did I come from? <laughs> Origin. Why am I here? Purpose. Paul answers them both. All things were created by Him. That's where you came from. And for Him. And that's why you're here. You came from Him and you're here for Him. Doesn't that simplify things? With all this stuff that's coming at us constantly, all this 
craziness and all the teachings that surround us and you've got everything you need inside you to move to a place of enlightenment, all the different false teachings and false religions. Man, Paul simplifies it right here. And he said, Jesus created you and He created you for Himself. That's why you're here. To honor Him and to glorify God and to bring others into that relationship. He put us here. And we're to be about His business. That's it. We don't need to look anywhere else to find truth. We don't need to look anywhere else to find forgiveness or purpose or fulfillment. He's the author of life and He is the architect of your soul. There's nothing greater than Him. Let me ask you something this morning. What has risen above Him in your life right now? What are you allowing to supersede His sovereignty in your life? Paul says He created all things and He came before all things. He is preeminent. Jesus was the first one on the scene from eternity past. Process that. There's nothing new under the sun. There's nothing new that surprises Jesus. There's no new truth. He is the truth. There's no new way of life. He is the way and He is the life. There's no new book. He is the Word. He came before all things and without Him, life falls apart. How many of you figured that out? Man, I have. I still stray to this day. And every time I pay. Paul says in him, I love this verse, all things hold together. In other words, he's the glue. And he's the glue that holds us together. Where do you feel like you're falling apart this morning? Where do you feel like you're just coming apart at the seams? And we all go through seasons like that, when unexpected things happen, or like, man, how did we get here? Where did this come from? This year has only amplified that sense of kind of fragmentation. Man, but be encouraged. When you feel like you're falling to pieces, He holds all things together. Man, if you by faith given your life to Christ, you are clothed in His righteousness, the Bible tells us. You literally step into the righteousness of Christ and God sees you as He sees Jesus. You are in Him and you are in perfect standing with God and absolutely nothing can change that. Doesn't always feel that way though, does it? Paul reminds us that in Him all things hold together. From the moon and the stars and the sun to the anxiety in your heart. We can trust Him because there is no one greater. 
Paul says he's the head of the church. He's the first to rise among the dead so that in everything, even death, hear me, even death, he might have the supremacy. Having conquered it and being over it. Man, if we believe what we say we believe as followers of Jesus, about Jesus, that as God's Son, He came to this earth to reveal the depth of God's love for us, to die on the cross that our sins would be forgiven, and to rise again to overcome sin and death. If we believe that, why in the world would we look to lesser things? And I ask myself that question all the time. Man, what void are you trying to fill in your life with lesser things? He is your peace. He alone is your comfort. He alone is the one who satisfies your soul. And the scripture's clear from Genesis 3 on that our lives are broken. We're all broken from the beginning, from the moment we enter this world. We're all disconnected from the source of life because of our sin. And Jesus came to put us back together. Paul says, for he was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in Jesus. Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen what? You've seen the Father. He is the image of the invisible God. And through Him, through Jesus, to reconcile all things, whether the things on earth or in heaven, making peace through His blood shed on the cross. He reconciles all things. And what needs to be reconciled? in your life this morning? Is it a relationship? Is it something that you need to reconcile as far as your past is concerned? Is it a worry and a concern about the future that you need to reconcile? You say, Jesus, I, you know, I, I'm just eating up with anxiety over this deal. I just worry about it constantly. And you need Jesus to reconcile that to His peace? And to bring His peace to bear in the midst of that? He reconciles all things. Man, just take that in. What do you need reconciled in your life today? Ernest Hemingway, Ernest Hemingway wrote, This life breaks all of us, but some of us are strong in the broken places. I love that quote. It is Jesus and Jesus alone that can make you strong in the broken places. Nothing else. No one else. Let me ask you this morning as we come to a close. Have you said yes to Him? I mean really. All in. Yes to Him. The one who is greater than. Have you placed your faith fully in Christ.
Have you allowed Him to reconcile you to the Father? That's why He came. Paul closes this section, and I close this morning simply with these words. Beginning in verse 21, Paul says, Once you were alienated from God, and you were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, because of your sin, but now He has reconciled you. He's brought you back to God by Christ's physical body. There were those in the Colossian church who didn't believe that Christ physically died. They believed that all matter was evil, the Gnostics and that Jesus was actually just an illusion. And Gnosticism lives on today in so many different forms. And so Paul says that God has reconciled you by Christ's physical body. His physical presence was here through a real death to present you holy in His sight without blemish and free from accusation. And he says, if you continue in your faith, keep believing, established and firm, not moved from the hope that is held out in the gospel. And then Paul reminds Epaphras and the entire church, he says, this is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven. There is no other gospel. And he says, and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. He is greater than anything and everything in all of creation, anything and everything that you're going through this morning, anything and everything that this life can throw at us. Let's bow our heads. Father, we just thank you for the unsearchable richness of your word. We thank you for the truth, Lord, that, that moves mountains, the truth that transforms lives. Lord, may we as your church be rooted and firmly grounded in that, in that truth. Lord, and may we be those who don't have itching ears. Uh, for other paths that come to us that surround us in this culture. Father, for those who are here this morning who just need to be reminded, who just need to know and, and hear the truth afresh and anew that Jesus is greater than, He is bigger than anything and everything in our lives, anything and everything that we're going through. Lord, I pray that You would penetrate their hearts today, penetrate my heart today with that truth of the supremacy and the sufficiency of Jesus for all things. We thank you for him. In his powerful name we pray. Amen.